0: said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad you're joining me again this week. I think we got a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about... Seed saving for self sufficiency. I think it's a topic a lot of folks are interested in. And for those who've never done it before, you know this is going to be just an episode on the basics and some things you might want to consider before you start doing it. You know some of the reasons you might want to do it. I think it'd be a good good topic to cover today. Uh, Before we jump into that, let's talk about our usual uh, homestead updates. Uh, It's kind of a slow, non exciting week on the homestead this week. Uh, It was just one of them get up and do it again every day kind of weeks, and nothing wrong with that. I mean, sometimes it's nice to have a little routine and not have a lot of problems or anything like that, or excitement, Uh, a lot of uh, just basic gardening, a little little bit of preserving, feeding the animals, just the basics, you know, and sometimes you like weeks like that. Nothing new, nothing slapping you in the face, Uh, you know, no big big, uh, projects or anything like that. It's just one of those kind of weeks, so hope you all had a great week on your homesteads, Um, How about some homestead-relevant news this week? Now, I want to talk a minute about an article that was out. And I'm not going to go in-depth, per se, about the article. But what I am going to do is turn you on to a couple other podcasts that covered this in-depth. And I don't want to rehash it because they did such a great job uh, talking about it. But the article I'm talking about is this uh, Forbes article that's out. Um, It's called, Dear Homesteaders, Self-Reliance is a Delusion. And, um, and it was an article written in Forbes and, uh, you know, this, this author, he based a lot of his assumptions about homesteading off of TV shows about homesteading. And, uh, two podcasts talked about this article, uh, this last week. One was the sustainable living podcast. Um, Marianne and and Janice talked about, uh, and actually they talked about a rebuttal article that was written in response to. To that article, and uh, their their uh, podcast was called "Our Homesteaders Moochers," and uh, I'll have links for for both all this I'm talking about the article in Forbes and the two podcasts I'm mentioning um, in the show notes. If you want to go and and link or listen to those podcasts or read that article, but uh, Janice and, and Marianne they done a great job uh, just talking a little bit about it and what they thought some of the issues were and and the rebuttal. Uh, that uh, actual Daisy Luther uh, uh, wrote the rebuttal uh, article to to that, and, and they talk a lot about that. Now, another podcast that covered it was Pioneering Today podcast with Melissa K. Norris. And her podcast was titled, Dear Forbes, Homesteading and Self-Reliance is a Delusion? Question mark, that is. And and she spent her entire episode uh, directed towards that article. And both of them are really good uh, podcast episodes. I think you should go listen to them if you want to hear a little bit about their response and why they think, what they believe the problems were with that article. So it's in the news. It's relevant. I, I was going to cover it, and then I heard both of them talk about it. So I thought, well, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna um, talk about the the article per se I'm gonna point you to them both of them have both of those podcasts are very good uh, if you're not listening to them you should be anyway so uh, the sustainable living podcast and pioneering today podcast go check them out read that article um, you know I found there was a couple things I understand some of the points he was making but he's making those points not based on the average homesteader he's he's making those points based on tv shows and that's there's the delusion i believe <laughs> you know it's not uh very few homesteaders are, are living like those tv shows uh are portraying so anyway check it out i thought it was interesting yeah, worth a read and worth a listen for those other two podcasts i also wanted to again uh Tackle this new segment hanging out on the Homestead Front Porch. Uh, if you're new to this uh, podcast, uh, the Homestead Front Porch is our Facebook group. It's a closed group, but all you have to do to join is ask. That We do ask a couple questions you got to answer yes to before you get in, but um, it's real easy. You just search uh, the Homestead, uh, search on Facebook for the Homestead Front Porch and uh, request to join. We'd love to have you in there. But anyway, uh, on this segment, we, we just ask. I'm, what I'm doing here is asking a question for this podcast episode in in the uh, the Facebook group. And this week's question was: What is one skill you would like to learn that you believe would make you more self sufficient? And I had some great responses to that. A lot of people chimed in. And I'm not going to last week, I, I went through and named everybody by name and I read most of the the responses. I'm just going to kind of go a brief overview. I'm not a, a brief overview. I'm not even going to give you the, the people's names. I'm just going to talk about some of the things they mentioned. If you want to read that thread, uh, the link to that thread, that Facebook thread, is in the show notes. And if you're not a member of the front porch, that's a good opportunity to join. So a, a lot of people chimed in with canning, uh, there was a lot of sewing. Uh here you know, sewing was the very first response was someone said sewing. Uh butchering, skinning animals, working with the uh, wild game. A lot of those too. Traditional preserving, like smoking and salt curing, was another answer. A lot of people said carpentry. I, I think I saw five, six responses on carpentry. They want to learn how to build better. And that's a great skill to have on the homestead. Um, more canning, you know, and, and really canning is the the basics of it. You, you know, you should, that's one of the first things you should probably learn how to do as, as a homesteader. You got your harvest each year. You should learn how to, at the very least, learn how to water bath, can some stuff, make some pickles, make some salsa, you know, water bath, can a few things. That's a great start. Small engine repair. I was lucky enough, uh, on a couple things. One, the small engine repair, my, one of my grandpa's actually, uh, done a little, uh, small engine repair shop on the side. So heck he had me, uh, you know, tearing down Briggs and Stratton lawnmower engines when I was about nine or 10 years old and putting them back together. So I got to learn that skill and carpentry was another one. I was, I was, uh, had the privilege of learning, uh, through my grandpa and my dad, um, both passed that down to me. So uh, those are some great skills to have, no doubt about it. Here's another one with sewing, diesel engine mechanic. Uh, I think it's a great one. You know, you got a lot of, especially if you have tractors and things like that, you want to be able to repair. Blacksmithing is one that I also would like to learn one of these days. I've seen some, a couple people mention blacksmithing. Um, more building, house building, barn building, great skills to have. Uh, here's one. Um, I'll mention this guy's name, Will Wallace. He mentioned, uh, uh, first aid, uh, he says, he said, yeah, I have this one covered being an EMS firefighter for years, but you would be surprised how many people don't know simple first aid, CPR, etc. cetera. He even offers to even come on sometime and do a podcast episode on this. And I think that'd be a great idea. You know, I haven't done too many interviews <laughs> lately, but. And the reason is, is not because I don't want to. I, they're my favorite episodes to do. I love meeting uh, new people. I love talking about other people's homesteads, uh, learning from others who n- even know more than me about certain things. And the problem is scheduling. I mean, right now, uh, I, I, I do a podcast when I'm able to do a podcast, and I really just can't schedule real far ahead on, on doing a podcast. And you really got to do that when you're doing interviews. So, you know, maybe one day I can pop in and say, Hey, anybody available to do a podcast with me today? And, and there'll be some people chime in and want to do that. But until I get a a schedule that's a little looser, a little something I can kind of, um, uh actually build a schedule for these kind of things. It's probably going to be a solo show for a while, but will I absolutely would love at some point maybe we could work it out and get you on the show and talk about that. I think that is a great homesteading skill that w- would make anybody more self-sufficient and and could even save a life. So, yeah, I think that's a great one. Um somebody said chickens uh just Learning skills with chickens. I think that's, you know, again, so it's kind of the basics of homesteading, and but a lot of people, you know, need to know that skill. Good thing is there's a lot of information out there about that. I've uh, seen a couple people uh, chime in with brain tanning. Not just tanning, but, I mean, I've seen some people mention tanning, but specifically brain tanning, a couple people mentioned. Uh, again, preserving food. Um, here's a good one I thought: How to market and sell my animals and produce uh, to make money from my homestead. Marketing is a skill, and um, I think it's one that's important, and it's one I'd like to be better at myself. Uh, somebody I listen to who I think's an excellent marketer, and that's Jack Spearco over at the Survival Podcast. The guy knows a lot about marketing, marketing himself, marketing products, marketing skills. Um, I think that uh, if you if you're interested in marketing, he's got a lot of episodes specifically on that, or questions he's answered specifically on that. It's a great place to to get some marketing advice for homesteaders. There's a few of them that chimed in with uh, learning about er- herbal medicine. Now, this was one that surprised me that popped up a few times. I have seen it three or four times mentioned, and that was welding. Um, I think it is a great skill to have. It's one I I again I happen to have. I grew up. <laughs> my dad owned a, a garage slash body shop for years when I was a kid and, and he just taught me a lot of those things. And, you know, we, I worked on cars and I painted cars and you know, we welded and, you know, I got to learn a lot of those things as well. So it is a useful skill when you need it. It's not something I use every day, but when I need to do it, it's, it's a skill that I, I'm glad I know how to, to do. So it is a great one. Uh, making soap again, smoking meat. And here's somebody just said shooting a gun. And maybe you don't think of that as a homesteading skill, but you know what? I think it is. I mean, I put a lot of meat in the freezer every year hunting. So, and, and also just protection of your homestead. It's a skill that's very valuable. If you've got some varmints or getting into your, in your chicken house or whatever, um, you know, it's one worth having, uh, beekeeping, uh, wilderness survival. Let's see, I've seen a couple more for, for carpentry forage spinning wool. That'd be a good one. Uh, more brain tanning, beekeeping, uh, let's see. See anything different down through here? Seed saving and foraging. Seed saving. What do you know? We happen to be doing an episode about that. And here's someone saying that's something they'd like to learn. So maybe they'll, we'll be able to spread a little information to them there today. Um, hunting and processing game meat. Rotational grazing. To learn that. Well, that's a, definitely something that there's a lot of information out there about. Uh, Joel Salatin would be <laughs> probably the king of that. Decoding solar uh, electricity and state and local laws regarding everything to do with it—that's really good. And you know, I think that's a skill. As time goes, that's going to become a more and more valuable skill because solar is definitely becoming more affordable, uh, uh, just more accessible. I think it's something you're going to see a lot more of in the future. So that'd be a great skill to have. Uh, let's see, generating power, um, let's see, more welding, time management. There's a good one. Uh, one that I could definitely hone on a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, just a lot of the same. Uh, a lot of those are repeated and probably some new ones down there. But anyway, check out that thread. There's a lot of great answers to there. And they go into in-depth. I'm just giving you what they said. But a lot of them say why they'd like to uh, learn those skills. And why how they believe it would make them more self-sufficient. So there you have it. Uh, it from the front porch. Again, there's a lot of stuff going on there every week. Uh, this week we had a lot of stuff, people continuing to post pictures from their harvests and insects in their gardens. And, uh, there's some great pictures of somebody who's been carving some wooden utensils and doing a great job of it. Uh, A lot of canning posts, uh, preserving posts, a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, so yeah, jump in there, check out the uh, homestead front porch. we be really happy to have you as a, as a member in there and contributing to the group. So uh, there it is. Uh, let's jump into the main topic for today, and that would be seed saving for self-sufficiency. Let's talk a little bit first about why you might want to save your seeds. I think one of the biggest reasons uh, that comes to me rough off the top of my head is saving money. I mean, seeds aren't real expensive, but they do cost a little bit of money. I spend you know, I spend a little bit of money every year buying seeds and I save a lot of seeds. Uh, so if you've got a really large garden, uh, it could be expensive. Now it can also, you know, you always, there's always this time commitment versus expense trade off. Seed saving does take some time. So, you know, it, you always got to just kind of weigh that out. How much time do you have? How much money do you have? If you have more time than money, you, you know, you might want to save your seeds. If you have more money than time, you know, you might want to do less seed, uh, seed saving. And again, that comes down to that time management, you know, um, nothing wrong with supporting seed companies, local seed companies, uh, organic seed companies. I, I feel good sending my money to them and I buy a lot of seeds. So, you know, but I do believe it can save you a lot of money. Um, another reason you might want to save your seeds is to ensure that you have the best garden you can have. Uh, you're going to hone that, that garden in to the things that grow best in your garden. And, and you're going to save those seeds, the things you like the most, the things you're going to eat, the things you really, really like the taste of, things that do really well in your garden. You're going to find you're saving seeds uh, from those things, and each year your garden's going to get just a little bit better because you're going to continue to, to hone in on the best of the best for your garden by saving your seeds. I think another reason you might want to save seeds is for preparedness. Um, if you've got a nice little store of seeds, you've got some security there no matter what happens in the economy or your personal economy uh, losing a job or whatnot you have food in seed form you just have to plant it and grow it and and it's again it's something that that it's a it's a great skill knowing how to save seeds it's a great uh, great uh, thing to have in, in reserve is as seeds uh, and that leads us to the next thing and i think it's in the title of this to become more self-sufficient you become more self-sufficient through your knowledge of how to do it so learning how to save seeds even if you're not going to save all your seeds um even if uh you're you may just not you may just do it once and then never do it again knowing how to do it i think is very important because just having that knowledge uh can can well it can make a big difference in the future no matter what you face you're going to know how to save the seeds from every plant you have and i think that's important i think there shouldn't be anything you're growing that you don't know how to get the seeds from to reproduce that any annual that is that you're growing you ought to know how to get the seeds from that and continue that on your on your homestead i think another great reason to save seeds is for future generations there's been a lot of uh a lot of varieties of produce that are no longer in existence because nobody was saving those seeds. Um, and I think that we need to know how to do that and pass that down to our children and grandchildren. To the, you know, <laughs> before my, my grandpa on my dad's side passed away a couple years ago, um, I was over at his house and he's telling me about these lettuce seeds that he saved and and he really liked that lettuce and it was great and he was telling me how he saved them and everything well i i didn't think a lot of it at the time and i wanted to go back and i went back and i talked to my grandma and say I have any of those seeds around you no i when we moved i just because after he passed away she moved and a lot of that stuff got lost and i'll tell you i would have liked to have had a bunch of those seeds that he had saved and she just kind of you know in in their, she, in their late 80s you know and and it was just like well just get rid of everything i don't absolutely need downsize she moved to a smaller house in town and their life changed and but up to that point they had always saved their own seeds grown their own their garden every year grew all their food and even ran a little small market garden they ran a stand out in front of their their uh place and they sold a lot of produce and I would have liked to have had some of those seeds. He was telling me about how good these certain vegetables were that he'd been growing and he'd been saving the seeds for years of these. And I wish I could get my hands on those now. I really do. And I would like to be able to pass uh, some of those seeds down that I've kind of honed in on and found the best of the best and save those seeds. And I'd like to pass those down to my children and grandchildren. So I think for future generations is a good reason to do it. I think another thing great to do once you start seed saving is to participate in seed exchanges. It's a great way to build community. It's a, it's a great way to just, um, you know, pass on great tasting produce uh, through great seeds, you know. And you can seed swap. Um, you, you know, you can't grow everything. And maybe you don't want to save the seeds from everything. But this person over here is saving seeds and they don't have what you have and you guys can swap. And there's some great seed exchanges out there. And, uh, you know, that's something I wouldn't mind seeing happen in the front porch more. I've actually uh, sent seeds to a couple people in there uh, a couple times. Uh, I'd like to see more of that going on. I'd like to see people offering seeds. I mean, you know what? You can dump, you know, 10, 20 seeds in an envelope and mail them, throw a, throw a stamp on an envelope and mail it. It's not real complicated. It's not expensive. I'd like to see more seed swapping going on in the in our Homestead Front Porch Facebook group. I think it'd be a great place uh, for that to happen. So, yeah, I mean, those are some of the reasons why I think uh, seed saving is great. I think it's important. I think you should know how to do it. It's a good reason to get started. So what do you need to know before you start saving seeds? Well, mostly today what I want to talk about is saving open pollinated heirloom seeds. You can save seeds from hybrids. And I want to talk a little bit about open pollinated or, or heirloom versus hybrid versus GMO. Actually, I'm not going to talk a lot about it. I'm going to talk a little about it. I actually had a podcast on that. We had Mary from Mary's Heirloom Seeds on. And I'll put a link in the show notes for that episode. But the episode was titled, What's the Difference Between Heirloom, Hybrid, and GMO Seeds? And she gives us a complete rundown of what the difference is between each one of those things. Basically, it's this. That heirloom um, are are something that's been around for some generations. Uh, they're, They're true... To type, in other words, when you save a seed from that tomato, or you save a seed from that cucumber, or whatever that lettuce, when you plant that seed, you will get that exact same thing from that seed. Uh, with with hybrid, you may not. Um, hybrid is a combination of couple. It's there's hybrids are completely natural. They happen in nature. Uh, matter of fact, if you plant two pepper plants too close together, and a you know a bee hits both of them. Uh, you can get cross pollination, and you'll actually get a hybrid pepper. Uh, it'll be a combination of a, a sweet pepper and maybe a bell pepper, and you know it's going to look a little different, taste a little different. Nothing going to be wrong with it. It's just going to be a little different. And then if you turn around and save the seeds from that first generation hybrid, um, you're going to get not anything identical to what you save the seeds from. You might get one or the other, or a different something altogether. Um, it's going to be different. And now you can get past that with several generations. You can go on to second, third, fourth generations of a hybrid and keep narrowing it down and honing it. And then eventually it'll become kind of um, something you can depend on the seed from to get that same thing over and over from. And then if you can do that long enough, it'll actually become an heirloom uh, and and gets passed down through the generations. But it's definitely a lot more complicated working with heirloom, uh, with um, hybrids than heirlooms, the open pollinated heirlooms. So that's what I want to deal with mostly today. Now, the GMOs, you don't want to mess with. I don't even buy any GMO seeds. I do buy some hybrid seeds, and I don't save the seeds from those. Um, I just buy them every year. And the reason you might want to do that is it might be for for um, for blight resistance, say on tomatoes, a lot of tomato varieties are blight resistant. Um, some lettuce varieties are more uh, heat tolerant um, in these hybrid uh, versions. Uh so I mean, you're going to get different reasons. Some hybrids you'll read them in the packets or whatever. If you get a seed catalog, they've been they've been developed and cross pollinated for their stronger traits, depending on what those traits are. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with hybrids, um, but for seed saving, heirlooms are, are definitely going to be what you're going to uh, are going to be the easiest. And you know, I think I think seed saving hybrids and developing your own strands of of, of you know positive traits that you really like. It could be fun. If it's something you really get into seed saving and you want to go down that road, I think it's a great thing to do. But for beginners, heirlooms are, are where you want to start. You also need to know um, the basics of pollination. Some plants are self-pollinated. Uh, some are insect-pollinated. And some are wind-pollinated. Like corn, for example, would be a wind-pollinated uh, a, a vegetable. So you want to know, you know kind of what you have there. Uh, because you want to protect... It, say it's an insect uh, pollinated uh, vegetable that you're wanting to save seeds from. You might have to get some pollination protection bags to put over the flowers. Uh, they're kind of like a little netted bag that has a little drawstring up on it. You kind of put it up over the flowers before they open up, tie that up so the insects can't get to it, and you can get some pollination within that own. Or you might want to plant them further away if they're an insect or wind pollination. Um plant there's certain distances that are recommended to keep them from other varieties that keeps them from cross pollinating and so you don't get the 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 cross pollination and get something completely different so you might want to know what you're dealing with there any of those will work you just got to be a little careful about uh making the possibility of cross pollination um if they're open pollinated though heirloom vegetables they're great to save seeds from Three of the ones I I would say start with. There's several. I mean, you know what? Melons are are real easy to save seeds from. Uh, Squash are easy to save seeds from. Uh, But the three I'm going to talk about today that I think would be a great place to get started are beans, lettuce, and tomatoes. They're really, they're very easy. They're not prone to cross-pollination. You might find that surprising when you're talking about tomatoes because there are so many cross-pollinated varieties out there. Uh, hybrid varieties of tomatoes out there but they really it's not it doesn't easily happen because of the way the flower uh, is set up Uh, really to keep prevent cross-pollination you you really just need maybe 10 or 20 feet between varieties and they're not real prone to cross-pollination beans lettuce or tomatoes and like i said because of the way the flower is Anyway, you say you've got them planted right. You've prevented cross pollinations and you want to save, let's start with beans. You want to save your beans so you can have another bean. you got some beans you really like. They grew really well. Everything was just perfect. You love the way they tasted. Um, you want to save the seeds. So when do you harvest the seeds? Well, with beans, you want to let that shell get really, or that, that casing get really dry around the bean seeds. Um, it'll, it'll just turn brown. It'll get dry. You don't want to wait till it's molding or anything like that. You know, if it's you got a real rainy fall, just a light crunchy kind of shell to it. Okay, you open that up, you pull out the beans. Now you're going to have to dry. You know, of course you're going to separate the chaff and everything. And you're going to have to dry those bean seeds. Uh, how you'd want to dry those is you want to maybe lay them across a the screen or or something like that, and place them in a place out of the sun, a place that's somewhat you know, you want it to be dry. That's, you want some air movement. You want some air movement across it and you want it to be dry. And you're going to dry those seeds out. I I like to take an old window screen and just spread them out over a window screen and then just set them, you know, somewhere where I got a little bit of breeze or and out of the sun or, you know, uh, uh, put a fan in front of it, blowing lightly, moving a little air across it. And then within a couple days, it's going to start drying out really good. To test a bean for dryness, just lay one of them on some concrete or something and hit it with a hammer. It will explode. It'll shatter if it's dry enough. If it's not, it'll just kind of mush. You know, once it's shattering and just blowing apart when you smack it with a hammer, it's dry enough. And, and you know, it's just going to help it store better, mostly. Um, you definitely don't want to put anything that's got any kind of moisture in it in the freezer because it will destroy it. It has to be completely dry. And that's going to be one of the things I recommend for storing seeds as a freezer. So you definitely have to make sure they're dry if you're going to do that, but they need to be dried out. So once they're in that state, you can store them. And we'll talk about storage here in a few minutes. Let's talk about lettuce, harvesting lettuce seeds. Now you're going to have to let your plant go to seed, which is, it's going to bolt, it's going to shoot up, it's going to grow a, a tall shoot out the top of it, and you're going to get these little flowery, and these little flowers and pods popping out. These little pods, they'll have some little feathery looking uh, substance, almost like a dandelion, how a dandelion you blow on has the, the seeds that have, it'll have that kind of sticking out at the end of the pods. When you see that, those seeds are, you can start pulling them then and then dry them. Or you can let them dry in the pod before they burst open and go everywhere. Um, but you can actually pop those little pods open, and you'll have those little feathery pieces stuck to the ends of the seeds. And you'll kind of separate those. You have to kind of blow on it a little bit and pull them away. But you'll get a lot of seeds out of every single pod, and there'll be hundreds of those pods on a lettuce plant. So get those seeds out, but you have to wait till you get that, till you get those little feathery things. And before it opens up and starts letting them go, if you're not in a windy area, I've actually let those lettuce plants go completely dry, and those feather things kind of blow off, and you can pop those pods open, and the seeds will already be dry in there. Now, on a, on a lettuce seed, uh, it does need to be dried, and you can kind of hold it between your fingers and kind of bend it. If it kind of snaps, it's dry enough. If it bends and doesn't really snap, it's not dry enough yet. You need to dry it. But lettuce is one of my favorite things to collect the seeds from because I grow a lot of lettuce. I keep gr- lettuce growing year-round. So I always let a few plants go to seed so I can um, have plenty of seed for, for the year-round growing of my lettuce. Because I find it so easy to grow. It grows easy indoors. It grows easy in my greenhouse in the wintertime with a little bit of heat. I mean, it just it's so easy to grow. It, the hardest time to grow Lettuce is in the middle of summer, and I've actually, you know, I talked about in the last episode, I've kind of created a nice little microclimate in one part of my yard now that's fantastic for growing lettuce even in the middle of summer. So, yeah, lettuce is one of my favorite things. Matter of fact, I did a video on collecting seeds from that on YouTube about a year ago. So you can go and look at that if you can find that, uh, just saving lettuce seeds. Tomatoes. Now, tomatoes are a little bit different. Uh, When it comes to collecting, pretty much you can collect tomato seeds when you're eating the tomato uh you can just scoop out that it's like mucusy looking you know with all the seeds in it in the middle of the tomato you just scoop some of that out and just drop that in a cup and uh you put a little bit in a cup and then you'll fill that cup with water about halfway or so and what you're going to do is you're going to do what take it through a fermenting process and you'll let that set for a couple days and it'll get like this scummy moldy just nasty looking stuff on the top of it a little bit. You'll also see some of the seeds floating to the top. Those are going to be your seeds that aren't very good. The ones that are at the bottom are the most viable seeds. So what you'll do is once you'll see that little scummy thing after a day or two, just kind of fill the cup up the rest of the way with water and pour off the top. And it'll pour out that um, just real lightly, you know, kind of fill it up. Pour off the top of that, that mold, and those little seeds that are floating on top. Kind of get them out of there. And then I like to let it set for about another day. And you might get a little bit of that again. You'll fill it up, kind of pour that off. Now you can kind of just strain, pour that through a, a fine strainer. And then get your seeds kind of, just get them dried out of the water. Spread them out on a paper plate or a coffee filter. coffee filter works really well for this and just spread them out on a coffee filter and let them dry. Again, out of, you know in a place where they're going to get a little bit of open air and maybe a little bit of breeze and, and dry. That's real important. And they're going to dry out. And when you know a, a, a tomato seed is, is right for storage, is you'll kind of bend it, and it'll snap. Uh, if you can bend it and it doesn't snap, it's not dry enough. Again, just bend it until it snaps, and once it's snapping, they're dry enough. And uh, that's really all there is to collecting the tomato seeds as well. Peppers, I could throw peppers in that same group. I mean, they kind of the same way. I mean, they're easy to collect. But again, I didn't want to really go down the pepper road because they're really prone to, to cross pollination. So unless you're planting those far apart or you're wanting the cross pollination, you know, maybe you m- may not be the best place to start. I think beans, lettuce, and tomatoes are your are the best places to get started with um seed saving but that being said there's no reason why you shouldn't know how to collect seeds from everything in your garden Uh, let's talk a little bit about storing seeds bottom line is the enemies of storing seeds are moisture heat and light Uh, you want a cool dry dark place to store your seeds freezer is great but like i mentioned earlier you must the seeds must be completely dried if you put something in there it's got a little bit of moisture in it those seeds are going to get ruined um, so, but a freezer is a great place. It's better than a refrigerator because a freezer is going to be a more consistent temperature. Frigerator is kind of up and down and it's still good. Refrigerator's is not bad. Um, but I find just a cool dark place. If you got a basement and it's dry, good and dry, you know, you can store seeds in your basement. It's a great place for it. Uh, storing them in envelopes, like just regular mailing envelopes. You can store them in Ziploc bags as long as you're, again, it's a dark place. Um, or put them in a box or something where they're not going to get the light. I find jars are really good, small canning jars. I like using baby food jars. Baby food jars are a great thing. get them extra clean, get the label off there. You got some lid there to write some stuff on or stick a label on. You can actually buy vials to store seeds in off of Amazon and such. Um, But things like that, if you've got them laying around, are great for storing seeds in. And I have a lot of baby food jars and some Ziploc bags uh, filled up with um, seeds. So it's, those are great ways to store. Uh, again, basements, uh, uh, cellars, uh, freezer, refrigerator, uh, you know, a cupboard in a cool room, something like that, places where you can store. Now, I've, I've broke these rules many times, and I've left them in the greenhouse and the heat and everything else, and surprisingly, I still had really good germination. Uh, you know, in the end, they're not going to stay good forever, and there's things you can do to keep them good longer uh, that being said seeds that are that are certain seeds that have been stored there's been seed storage for hundreds of years that some of them still grew when people found them and planted them because of the conditions they were in so uh, especially a really good freezing system so you know they can last a long long time if you take care of them and properly store them some resources for seed saving, because again, this is very elementary. These are the basics of seed saving I'm talking about here. You want to know more about seed saving? A couple books I'll recommend. One is called uh, Seed to Seed, and it's Seed Saving and Growing Techniques for Vegetable Gardeners. This is a second edition by Suzanne uh, Ashworth. It's a great book. Uh, another one is The Complete Guide to se- Uh, The Complete Guide to Saving Seeds. They cover 322 vegetables, herbs, fruits, flowers, trees, and shrubs. That's a great one, too. Um, A website I recommend is uh, Seed Savers Exchange. Now, there's a ton of information. And pretty much any vegetable you're growing, they'll have the information on there for uh, how to save the seeds for that particular vegetable. And some techniques and things to go about it. And even storage. And they have charts you can print out on, uh, like if you're wanting to know, like how far away do I need to plant things to prevent uh, cross-pollination? They have charts for that. There is a ton, a ton of information at the Seed Savers Exchange website. I will put a link to that and a link to those two books in the show notes. I think they're, if you're going to get heavy into seed saving, uh, those three resources are huge for you. Uh, bottom line is though, YouTube is a great place. If you have a vegetable and you want to know how to save the seeds from it, you can probably find a YouTube video on it. Honestly, that's how I learned how to save some of the seeds from a few of my things. I just jumped in, watched a couple videos on it, Seen how it was done hands-on, and that's a great way to learn. So uh, Seed Savers Exchange, YouTube, those couple books I mentioned, check them out. Great resources, and they'll really get you down the path to uh, saving your own seeds and being more self-sufficient on your homestead. So there you have it, folks. Seed Saving uh, Basics uh, and Seed Saving for Self-Sufficiency. Okay, today's recommendations. What do I want to recommend you today? I'm going to recommend you relax. Go do some hunting and fishing. You know, squirrel season just came in here uh, in Indiana, and I haven't hit the woods yet. And I want to go do some squirrel hunting. It's a little warm yet. I like to wait till it's a little cooler usually. It keeps the bugs down. You know, hunting more pleasant. But you know what? It's, it's time to start thinking about hunting. So, uh, it, and if you've never done any squirrel hunting, I did an episode on that. Uh, boy, it's been about two years ago now, I think. Uh, what You Need to Know About Hunting Squirrel is the name of the episode. Look that up talk all about hunting squirrel in that episode and uh, i think it's a great time to go it's also a great time to go fishing you know it really is um they got cooler mornings if you got some weekend mornings you want to go hit the lake and do some fishing it's a great time and it's just a great time to put a little extra meat in the freezer you know put a few squirrel in there put a few extra fish in there uh you know stock that freezer up winter's coming and i think that it's a great time to do that i love this time of the year we're going in coming into fall here real soon and I just love the fall weather. I love everything about fall. The only thing I don't like about fall is knowing that winter's right around the corner. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a great time to do some hunting and fishing, even just to get started with it. And uh, just relax and have some fun. It's my favorite time of the year for those things. I just love to hunt, love to fish, love the fall. So it's coming in quickly. I enjoy it. Uh, I'll tell you about a book. Um, I recommended this on the website. I don't know if I ever recommended it on the podcast before, but it's a. it's actually not one you can getting paperback. It's just a um, PDF, I believe, or an ebook and get it through Amazon. It's called the only squirrel cookbook you'll ever need. If you want to know a bunch of ways to cook your squirrel, if you're going to go out and hunt them, check out that book. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I think it's like a $5 ebook or something, but got a lot of great recipes in there for cooking squirrel. Maybe you're thinking you're dying to go squirrel hunting, but you really don't know what to do with it after you get it. It's a great little book to have, to have a few ideas for cooking some squirrel. Uh, remember, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate those who support us financially. We really appreciate those who use our Amazon links to, to shop through Amazon, support this podcast. And, you know, one of the things I really, really love is getting iTunes reviews. Um, it, it, it makes a huge difference when you subscribe to us through iTunes, it jumps us up in the rankings. When you, uh, leave a review, it, it encourages others to subscribe to us through iTunes And it gets us out there for more people to find. So if you want to support us, uh, leave us an iTunes review. We love that. This episode is episode uh, number 64. So you can uh, look up the show notes at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 64. And I'm really glad you joined us this week for the episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about seed saving and all the other things I talked about. And until next week, happy homesteading. God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.